have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Proverbs, but I'll warn you in advance, this is going to be one of those sermons that's kind of, if you're trying to follow along, it'll be like a uh, catch-me-if-you-can type scenario, <laughs> because I'm going to be all over the place. Up to this point in the book of Proverbs, we've been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs focuses on the feel of Proverbs. It focuses on the def definition of wisdom and, and what it means to be wise and what it means to pursue wisdom. It also tells us uh, what, it, what it means to be a fool and how we pursue foolishness. And so it teaches us about this pursuit so that we can, we can take into account how we pursue God's wisdom and how we live our life in the fear of the Lord in his holiness. But now, we're getting to a portion of Proverbs that we uh, typically think of when we think of the book of Proverbs. You know, when we think of the book of Proverbs, we think of those one-liner zingers, right? The wisdom zingers, the, the, those nuggets of truth. And so when you go from one to the next, this will be talking about one thing, and then this is talking about another thing, and then the next one's talking about something totally different. And then you go to the next one, and it's kind of talking about what that first proverb was talking about. And so it kind of seems like, now, you, you can cluster some of these together, but, but it feels like there's so many different topics and things to cover that to, to craft a message chapter by chapter, verse by verse at this point, it would, it would have us going back and forth to different topics uh, like crazy. So what I thought is for the next seven weeks, I'm clustering groups of these Proverbs that all have to do with one particular topic. And so for the next seven weeks, I'm going to be a topical preacher from the book of Proverbs uh, practically exclusively. And so we're, we're going to be grouping these in several different themes. Um, there are several Proverbs about humility. If you want to be a wise individual according to God, you are someone who is humble. And so we're going to cluster all those Proverbs about humility together and talk about how to be humble. And then we're going to talk about family. Family's a really big deal in the book of Proverbs. Then we're going to talk about emotions. How we deal with our emotions really matters. How, how we uh, you, you know, navigate through those different emotions really matter. And Proverbs has a lot to speak to that. Then we're going to talk about friendships and why they, why they matter so much. Then we're going to talk about money and all of the Proverbs that, that deal with our money. Then, of course, we have to talk about all of the Proverbs that talk about life and death because it's always a matter of life and death, no matter what you're talking about in the book of Proverbs. And today, we're talking about the tongue, how we say anything, what we say, even what we listen to, how, how we discern words that are spoken to us. So we're going to look at several different Proverbs today that deal with how we speak. And so according to Proverbs, we've got a, a taste of this so far, right? A, a, a wise person is someone who has a special appreciation for how they speak, and a fool is someone who just speaks recklessly. And it's because it's a life and death situation. Let me read to you Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, so this is something that we really value, that we really understand. And so, so we are to be those who think before we speak. 
We are to be those who are especially considerate when we open our mouths and say something. And it's such a big deal because our words are how we have an impact on other people internally. We can affect how people think by talking to them. We can affect how people feel by talking to them. Depending on how I speak to you right now, I can cause you to feel all kinds of different ways. I can cause you to think about things that maybe you didn't plan on thinking about. When you speak to someone, you affect what's going on in their brain, right? And so when you think about having the ability that we all have, having the ability to impact what goes on in someone's mind, man, that's a, that's a pretty big responsibility. That's something that we want to be, you know, especially careful with. I mean, don't the, don't the, don't the stakes feel so, so much higher when you think about having an impact on someone externally versus internally? Like if I go up to you today and I just, I just punch you in the face and give you a black eye, right? You're going to heal from that. You're, you're, you might get a black eye, but your body's going to automatically start healing, and then maybe we can even laugh about it down the road. But if I hurl an insult at you and impact what's going on in your mind, make you feel bad, make you think about something that you don't want to think about, well, that's a much more complex healing process, right? Getting over something like that is much different than getting over something that happens to you externally. Even, you know, think about it this way. You think about the way we even talk about how people have an impact on us or, 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 or physical pain versus emotional pain. We, we, even, we, we talk about those things so much differently. When we talk about physical pain or how someone has had an impact on you physically, it can be something that we are really light, it, it can be a really lighthearted conversation. I mean, I have a scar on my forehead where I was wrestling with my brother when I was about, oh, probably 11 or 12 years old. And we're wallowing around there and I fell into the doorway as we're wrestling. And I had to get, you know, I was like, oh, man, that hurt. I just remember, I remember grabbing my head and pulling it away, and blood was all the way down to my elbow already. I had to get, like, four or five stitches in my forehead. The doorway won that collision. Um, but, you know, we can laugh about those things now. I think about, the, I've, I've chipped my kneecap on two different occasions. One time I jumped into a pile of leaves, and there was a brick in it. That didn't feel good. Uh, the other time I was playing middle school basketball. And this big rhinoceros of a kid was guarding me, and I'm, I'm, was, I wasn't even close to his size. He was the size of a small walrus, and I'm going around him, and, like, I juked him, and I, like, chopped down the tree. Like, he is like timber. I was, like, I was so proud of myself, but I ran underneath where the tree was falling, and the tree fell on me. And we both hit my knee on the hardwood floor, and I chipped my kneecap. It didn't feel good. But, I mean, we can talk about physical injuries and in the moment, they didn't feel good, but we can talk about those pretty lightheartedly uh, after the fact, right? But when you talk about those emotional scars that you may have, every, every single one of us in here probably has some sort of emotional scar. Those aren't as fun to talk about. We put on a serious face when we have conversations about that. And if I were to share with you some emotional scars that I have, and in the same amount of time I just talked about those physical scars that I may have, uh, it, it would be much more difficult for all of us, difficult for you to listen to, difficult for me to talk about. Because when you think about having an impact on what goes on some, in someone's mind, the stakes are higher. It means more. It truly is a matter of life and death when you think about 
how you can have that sort of impact. You can say things that cause life. You can say things that feel refreshing. You can, you can say things that can make their heart glad. Or you can say things to someone that cause death and decay and misery. And so if you want to be wise, according to how the Bible describes being wise, you have to be careful with what you say. If you want to know how wise someone else is, you know one of the best ways to gauge their wisdom is just by listening to them. You can tell by how someone speaks if they truly are wise. I'm not talking about, well, you can tell how smart they are a lot of times too, but you can be really smart and not have a lot of wisdom. But just by listening to someone and what they say, you can gauge whether or not they are wise. It exposes, what we say exposes how wise we are or exposes a lack of wisdom according to the book of Proverbs. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you cluster all of these Proverbs into groups, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest grouping has to do with what you say. There are more Proverbs with regard to these clusters that I'm talking about, more Proverbs that have something, something to instruct us with, with regard to our tongue than any other category. Several different commentaries I saw say there, there are over 90 verses or 90 Proverbs within this book that address specifically what you say or what someone says. That's how important this topic is with regard to wisdom. So over, over 90 of them, now there, there's no way I can create a sermon that lasts 30 to 35 minutes and us go over all 90 of those passages. But I, I, I do have a cluster from that cluster that I want to talk to you about this morning. And, and what I want us to do so that we can truly have a profitable time together, as I read these different Proverbs to you, I want you to, to examine yourself. I bet you, if you're like me, every one of these Proverbs that I read to you, someone comes to mind who is guilty of not living up to that proverb. Someone, I'm like, oh man, wow, that's, yeah, that's that dude. Oh, this one, oh, that's her for sure. And, and we can do that all day long, man. We can fit, we, we can fit someone into that uh, you know, scenario all day long. But what I want you to do today is to fight that temptation. Not that there's no merit to that. But I, I just want you to fight that temptation and really examine your own heart, your own motives, your own pursuit of wisdom, and see if there are any ways in which you think you could change the way you communicate. So, again, I, if you think about if you think about your pursuit of wisdom and your pursuit of faith, if you come in here and it's always just about what someone else is doing and it's not about what you are doing and, and examining yourself, you're not getting out of this experience, uh, you're not getting the most out of this experience. And, and when it comes to the tongue, when you come in here and you say all these things and you sing these words and, and you, you speak the catechism and you, you think about scripture and you say you are a Christian and you claim this faith, but then you leave here and in your normal life, this has no bearing on that life. And you say all kinds of worthless things and you say all kinds of things that are not honoring God. What you're exposing is that what you say you believe, you don't really believe. What you're, what you're saying is, if, if you come in here and say all these words, and, and we say all these things together about who God is, and, and, and talk about his gospel, but then you go out there, 
and you talk as if you don't believe all these things, what it exposes about you is that your religion is worthless. Your faith is functionally worthless because you don't really believe those things. You're, you're just playing a role in society, just a part that you're pretending to be. And, and so you don't want your, your faith to be worthless in this sense because it's a double whammy. First of all, you're deceiving yourself. If you say you believe these things but you don't live any of these things out or say any of these things outside of this experience, you're deceiving yourself. You're convincing yourself that you are a Christian when you're not really a Christian. But it's a double whammy in the sense that when you, you deceive yourself, you go out there and say all of these wicked things and don't control your tongue, you're convincing the world that's what a Christian actually is when you're not really a Christian at all. And so you make the rest of the actual believers look bad. So, so it's really a double whammy when you don't control your tongue but say you are a Christian. Because you trick yourself and you trick other people. You're thinking, man, those are cold words, Pastor. Well, that's, uh, this is plagiarism. I'm copying James. This is what he says in his book. This is not a proverb. But James, in chapter 1, verse 26, says, If anyone thinks he is religious and not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That's how I know that that concept is 100% true because that's, that's what the Bible teaches. So I think so many Christians today are just so proud that they speak their mind. And they just say what's on their mind whenever they want. They tell it like it is and they're proud of that. And, and, you, and you never have to wonder what they're thinking because they're always blurting it out. And, and that is a very unwise way to live. Let me just be real transparent with you here. If I spoke everything that was on my mind 24-7, I wouldn't have no friends. <laughs> like... Like if, 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 you, if you always heard what was on my mind, then nobody will want me to be their pastor. Right? You've got to filter that stuff. Right? You've got you to contain and restrain yourself at times. You can't let all of that out. Right? You've got to filter the good and the bad before you just let it out. And when we say that about other people, man, you never, you never have to wonder what they're thinking because they're always blurting it out. What we're actually saying about that individual is they're a foolish human being. Because they always say what's on their mind. We don't want to live like that. I think one of the funnier verses in Proverbs is about the tongue. In Proverbs 18.6 it says this. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. <laughs> I love it. Have your words ever invited a beating? I bet you several of you could tell literal stories in which you received a beating because of something that you said. I know I've had that conversation with my kids. I, you know, sometimes they're running their mouth. I'll be like, you know, I've never beat you before. Are you trying to get me to beat you right now? Watch what you say. You know, sometimes we just reckless, recklessly turn the filter off and just let it all pour out. And it's a foolish way to live. Our words have a huge impact on how other people feel around us. And we should care about that because we're supposed to be considerate of those around us. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to love our neighbor. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. Don't you care about death and life? Then control what you say. Every time we open our mouths, we make a choice. Am I going to be constructive or destructive with what I say? Well, so often I'm guilty, guilty of being destructive. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise 
brings healing. I, I, I love that passage. I meditated upon it several times this week. And, and you, you know, so often you, you think of those sword thrusts, like it's like being stabbed, right? So often those words are rash. They're in the heat of the moment. When tensions are high, our filter go, turns off sometimes. And that's when we, we say all of these things that we should not say. A lot of times that's when we do the most damage. It's because we're just blurting things out. And when you have been the recipient of some of the, that insensitive blurting, you know it's not fun. You've been hurt by that before. I bet you everyone in here can think of a moment, maybe you just had that moment this week, in which someone just recklessly opened their mouth and they hurt you. It felt like when they were talking, you were just getting stabbed in the gut with a sword or like they were, they were passive aggressive with you and so they're hugging you but they're shanking you with a knife. When, when you've been the recipient of that, don't you want to be more careful with, with, with regard to what you say? You don't want people to feel like that around you. And so again, I want us to think together about ourselves. Take into account the words that you say. When you think about how you talked to people this week, did you stop and think before you spoke? Did you blurt something out and just like stab someone in the gut with, an, with, with, a, with a word, right? We have to show restraint. And when you see someone or hear someone show restraint when they are talking, according to the Bible, that is a wise individual. Proverbs 17, verses 27 through 28, says it real plain and clear. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man with understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. <laughs> I, love, I love that part. Like, the, the people who stay cool under the pressure, the people who uh, always seem to be contemplative and find the right words, th those, are, those are wise individuals when you can do that, when you can show that restraint. But even if you're foolish, if you just keep your mouth shut, you'll have the appearance of intelligence. <laughs> like, so you'd be wise to at least just, just be silent when you don't know what to say or you're afraid you're going to blurt something out. Just keep your mouth shut. At least you'll look wise. <laughs> we, we know we have to restrain what we say. Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens his lips comes to ruin. When we think of restraining our mouth, we think of guarding our mouth. I heard one theologian put it this way, that's, that's why your vocal cords are behind your teeth, they're behind bars. <laughs> we, we keep that under control. We don't let those vocal cords do anything unless we think about it first and give them permission to do something. We want to be careful with what we say because we don't want to hurt people. And we want to bring healing in, in the world instead of death. The mouth of the righteous man, this is Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of a righteous man is a fountain of life. When you think about the words that you're saying, does this happen when you communicate a fountain of life? You, know, you think of a fountain, this is something that's refreshing, this is something that's sustaining, this is something that's encouraging. When you communicate to people, are you a fountain of life or is it just destruction and death? I mean, if you, if you can be someone in this world, especially now, 
right now, with our culture and all the frustrating things that are going on, if you can be someone who speaks with wisdom, and you can be a fountain of life right now, you're like a desert oasis. You are, you are so refreshing because there are people out there that are just dying of thirst. All they do is take in the negativity all of the time. They live in a home that is just verbally destructive. They go to a school where people are just mean. And they, they interact with individuals that put them down. And, and they're just, they're dying of thirst. And, and so if the, if the body of believers today can be especially wise with what we say, we're going to stick out like a sore thumb. We're going to bring cool water and a refreshing drink to people who haven't had anything to drink for, for days or months or years. So I, I think this is more important today than ever because of the time that we're living in. All of, the, all of these proverbs have to do with communicating. And so we can communicate more than ever in human history. It's really cool and awful all at the same time. We are taking in what people say at a higher rate than ever in human history. And it's having a negative impact on our society in so many ways. I, I, I started, well actually Amanda started my Facebook back in 2010. She started my Facebook because I kept looking over her shoulder and being like, what's Facebook? And then I'd start like snooping through her Facebook. And so she created one and said, here, stay off my Facebook. Stop looking over my shoulder. And what I've learned over the past decade, uh, more than anything else, is that people are mean. People are really rude. I think I've learned that. I've learned a lot of other things. on that, and, and, I, and I could be positive in many ways with regard to my experience online. But I think the number one lesson that I've learned is that people are way more reckless with their words than I, than I originally thought. People are, are, are incredibly, incredibly mean. And so I, I have this, I, I developed a philosophy for my interactions with people online and things like social media. You ever seen that, that show uh, with, with uh, uh, Mary or, or Murray? Murray Kindle? Murray Kondo. Man. It's the tidying up show. You ever seen that show? Amanda was watching that show where they're tidying up their house, and so she goes along there, and she's trying to get people to minimize things and, like, get rid of stuff, and, you know, and what's her thing is, like, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't spark joy, they get rid of it, right? And she's like, just think about it. Does this spark joy? I use that with, with social media. Like, if I interact with people online, if you don't spark joy, you're gone. Like, like, like I'm, I'm much more gracious in real life, but online, you work for me. And so I, and when I get on social media, if you don't make me happy, unfollow I, get, I, I clean house. The unfollow feature on Facebook is the only way I can stay on Facebook. Like, snarky political post, unfollow, you get one strike with me. That's not why I use Facebook. All right? You, you're going to air out your dirty laundry? Unfollow. Complain about everything? Unfollow. Narcissist selfie machine? Unfollow. You? You're just ugly. Unfollow. I will unfollow the snot out of people. If you don't spark joy, you're out. And, and I, think, I think that's a wise thing to do. And I'll tell you why. I, there, it's no wonder anxiety levels are at, are, are at an all-time high in our culture right now. 
because we're taking in what people say at an all-time high right now, and most people are just mean. And we subject ourselves to this unnecessarily. And so our anxiety starts to go through the roof. We're constantly taking in news, and then we're constantly taking in opinions about that news, and then we're constantly taking in the complaints about those opinions, and then we're constantly taking in the complaints about those complaints, and it never ends. And so we take so much of this in so consistently, and we subject ourselves to it over and over and over, and then we're like, I'm I'm anxious, and I don't know why. Why do you not know why? You, You surely know why, right? You're subjecting yourself to chaos 24-7 through your phone. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. There's a path out of anxiety is a good word. That's the type of impact we can have on people who suffer from anxiety. Now, I know there's a lot of reasons for anxiety, and, and, and that's, that's, not a, that's not a blanket statement about anxiety. It's much more complex than that, but that is a part of it. I mean... We can harp on the nastiness of the world all day long. People are rude. People gossip. People complain about everything. and People twist everything. But why are you subjecting yourself to all of those things so often? That's the question I want you to think about today when you examine yourself. You know, we, we know that listening to gossip is a sin. Do you apply that online? We know that subjecting yourself to lies, uh, lies are an abomination to the Lord, well, do, do you subject yourself to lies online all the time? Why? Why or why not? Well, you know, we, we want to honor God with our life online. And so we don't want to listen to those things over and over online. You know, constantly subjecting yourself to people who are just overly, unfairly critical of everything all the time. If you subject yourself to that 24-7, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to feel anxious. Of course you are. You weren't meant to take all of those things in all of the time. And if you constantly listen to that gossip and read those lies, you are the one who is sinning now. Proverbs 17.4 speaks to this. It says, an evildoer listens to wicked lips and a liar gives ear to the mischievous tongue. In the book of Proverbs, it's not just about what you say. It's about what you tolerate other people saying. That's all throughout Scripture. It's about what you subject yourself to and listen to. Your inner character, according to Proverbs, your inner character is revealed by what you are willing to tolerate and listen to all of the time. It it says something about you. And so if you're constantly subjecting yourself to the junk that is online... And then wondering why you're feeling anxious, you have to ask yourself, what is is all of that subjecting saying about you? What does it say about you? You say that this is frustrating and, and this is causing me anxiety, but you keep going back to that well and lapping it up. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. It's an evildoer, according to that proverb. It's an evildoer that listens to wicked lips. You're not an evildoer, are you? It's the liar who gives ear to the mischievous tongue. You're not a liar, are you? And so we often, we often fool ourselves. We deceive ourselves in this sense. We think, well, I'm only listening. And I'm not even in person with that individual. I'm just online. And I'm, I'm only listening. So I'm not really involved. But God says, no. 
By constantly listening to that garbage, you are involved. That's, that's what his word teaches us. And so we don't want to constantly listen to the wrong things because then we might start relishing in the wrong things. I mean, Proverbs 18.8 says it this way. The, whisper, the words of the whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down to the inner parts of the body. You know why we listen to the wrong things so much? We like it. You know why we listen to the gossip? We like it. But it's like eating a donut, right? When you hold that donut in your hand, you're like, oh, man, that is going to taste so good. This is going to go great with my coffee. There's no nutritional value there whatsoever. <laughs> but you look at that, and it just looks so good. It's like a delicious morsel, and you want to have a couple of them. But it is doing no good. Once it gets into your body, right, that junk food just causes junk. It just causes decay, death. It's harmful to your health. And so when we constantly listen to that gossip, though, what it does is it gets inside of us and it taints the way we think about people. When we, when we listen to gossip, it's not fair. I mean, if you, you say you're caught up in justice and stuff like that, the, 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 in fairness. It's not fair when you listen to gossip and lies about someone and, and, and take that in because that's going to affect how you think about that person unfairly. You, you can't confirm any of these things. You don't know if this is true, but you're going to start thinking about that person unfairly from that point on. It's not fair. And so when we do this online and we take in all of this gossip and negativity and dirty laundry, we are unfairly drawing conclusions and, 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 and developing unfair feelings towards people. It's not fair to do this. So don't listen to it. Don't keep going back to that well and drinking the dirty water. We, now, now, I will say this. There's a balance in the book of Proverbs. It's not that we never say anything. It's just that if we engage these things, we want to make sure we engage them appropriately. We want to do and say the right things. It's not that we never respond to, gospel, to gossip. It's that there's an appropriate way to respond to gossip. It's not that we never listen to a lie. It's that there's an appropriate way to confront a lie. It's not that we, we never, it's not that we shut our ears off to any and every controversy. It's that, it's that we confront those controversy, controversies with a reasonableness and a fairness. I mean, we want to make sure that we, 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 we confront those things justly. One proverb says this. This is Proverbs uh, 31, uh, 8 through 9. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. There's definitely a time to speak. So here's where I think a lot of us go wrong. You want to be a caring individual. You want to be able to be a shoulder to cry on. You want to be there for someone when they want to vent. You want to show, you want to be considerate in the sense that you want to make people feel like they live in community and they're not alone. And so you listen to people. And maybe you're one of those people who people go to you when they have problems. Maybe you have felt like in the past you are one of those people that people want to go to to just puke it all out and get all their feelings out and, and talk about issues going on in their life. And you really feel like you are helping them by just listening to them. And maybe you are in the moment. But then it can get to an unhealthy way of life 
when all you ever do is listen to the garbage and word gets out that you're always willing to listen to the garbage and you're always willing to, to let someone puke out their thoughts on the table. You can become, to, you, you can get to the point in which you just become a, a trash collector, a, a dumpster for complaints. Because you never confront any of these complaints, and you never do anything about any of the gossip, and you never say anything about the controversy or the lie. You just want to be there for the person, but you become this dumpster where people just start throwing their trash in there because they want to get over something or get through something, and you never have it. And so you just respond to all this stuff in silence, and then pretty soon your anxiety levels are through the roof because you have not engaged in an appropriate way all of these things that are brought to you. When someone brings to you some gossip, you know, face it appropriately. Hey, wait a second, have you talked to this person? Hey, hey, wait a second, before you start puking out all this information about them, uh, let's think through this. Is this fair? If, if, if someone lies about someone else, someone uh, you know, unfairly judges something that they did. Do you just let it go and not, not correct them? Or do you say, now, wait a second, we need to take this into consideration as well. If there's a controversy and, and everybody's either on this side or on that side, and those are the terms, are you able to confront that and say, no, actually, let's, let's be reasonable and think through this together. Things may not be as cut and dry and as black and white as what we may want them to be right now. Stand up for what's right. Be reasonable. I really feel like God doesn't want us to just blindly validate everything we hear with silence. Sometimes it's time to, to push back. Ask a discerning question. When someone gives you something that it, it's, oh, is that gossip? Is, is that true? Ask a discerning question in response to it. You know, speak up if someone's unfairly put down. You know, encourage them to talk to the person directly that they feel has sinned against them, or whatever it may be. That, see, that's why I think these clusters of Proverbs are so valuable, because so many scenarios in life, right, they're, they're all unique, and not everything's black and white. Proverbs is great for the gray areas of life. When you think about how we communicate, and what we say, and what people say to us, there's a swirling mess of variables all over the place and everything isn't really simple it's not always really cut and dry to know when to say something and when not to say something or or how to confront something someone said it's not always that easy you know when you tell somebody else about it well you should have done this you should have done that well in the moment it's it's hard to discern these things because life is not always black and white but when you read all of these proverbs collectively i think that we begin to develop a discerning heart a wise heart that will ha help us to ask the right questions in the moment and take very careful steps with how we communicate in the difficult times of tension. Did I say the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Life is complex, but I believe these proverbs, they make us more sensible. That's what I want to be. I want to be more sensible. I don't, I don't think, I, you know, the that, that doesn't, that's countercultural right now. To be sensible about complex issues is countercultural because everything wants to be presented to you as this way or that way. Well, sometimes it is this or that, but a lot of times, wait, let's, let's consider a lot more factors here that may not be fleshed out. We want to be constructive with how we deal with life. We want to bring life. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 16, 24. It's beautiful. 
It's poetic. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Now that's good food right there when, it, when it's sweet and it's good for you. That's my favorite kind of food. It, it tastes good and it, it's actually good for me. Like you, you, can have, you can have as much of this as you want. Gracious words are such a relief. Don't you love the gracious people in your life? I, I, I love when I am encountering gracious people because it, it lets me put my guard down. You know, I feel like because of the world we live in, we're always so defensive and we're trying to protect ourselves. And, oh, man, even if I wear a mask to church, I'm going to be labeled or something. Like, people are going to think I'm sending a message right now. <laughs> like, but, like, man, when you're around gracious people and you're just reasonable, you can think through things together. Man, you can just put your guard down. That, oh, this is my church family. They'll understand. I'm just trying to do the right thing. This is, it's not all cut and dry. We want to we be like this towards other people. We want to be like honeycomb with our words. And, and the reason we want to do that is because that's how God interacts with us. That, that's how he impacts us. It's, it's Jesus who is the word of God. It's Jesus who is the word of God who entered his creation and, and, made, all, and, and made us right with him. It, he is that gracious word. And so we want to we be very careful with how we speak and what we listen to. Because we, we want to offer this sort of grace uh, to, to the world. We, we carefully listen to the gospel. We carefully articulate the gospel. Because we, we see that as making a change in our lives. And then we can take that change into the lives of other, uh, others. And then the grace that we feel when we sing these words and talk about these words. The grace that we feel that we are made right with God. It is so life-giving. It literally is spiritual life that we receive through the gospel. But that belief and that way of life we can take into the world and offer that same sort of relief to the, to the world and the people that we interact with. It, it, it can bring new life to them when they're hurting. It can, be, it can bring healing in a moment of tension. It can be sustaining and refreshing in a terrible season of life. And people are desperate for it right now. And so I hope that as we close out in prayer, you felt conviction on some level today. I can tell you that as I sifted through those 90 Proverbs this week in study, I did not get through the other side of that unscathed. I was like, ugh, ah, mm. Thinking about the way that I talk, thinking about the, the words that I even use with my own spouse, the words I use with my kids, the words... I, I may carelessly throw out there with, um, when I'm with a, a group of even non-believers. Was it all honoring God? Think through these things so we can truly be that refreshment, this, the salt and the, and the light that this world needs. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this, this study. I thank you for these different topics that you cover in this book of wisdom. Lord, it feels as though we live in a time that is so overly critical and it's stressing us out. But Lord, when we think about the grace we've been shown through your son, that is such, that's the biggest stress reliever we could ever fathom. We, we get to live in peace that surpasses our understanding because of what you've done for us. Lord, I just pray that we could be the type of believers that have that sort of impact on those around us, that, 
that we could just be gracious with our words and our presence. Lord, that they could feel that relief and they could be drawn to you. Ultimately, that's what we want, Lord. We don't, we're not doing, this isn't just about being known as a kind person. It goes beyond that. This isn't just about being known as someone who is wise. It goes beyond that, Lord. All of these actions and all of these changes we want to make in our life, we want them to be changes that would draw people to you, that you, through your grace in our lives, would draw people unto yourself. Lord, help us to be attentive to what we say as we go through this week and help it to be rooted in the gospel of your Son. Amen.